Hey, women's basketball fans, welcome to Gotta Get Up, a podcast for New York Liberty fans brought to you by Black Rosie Media and hosted by Erica L. Ayala. Hello, Liberty fans. Hello, WNBA fans. Welcome to another episode of Gotta Get Up, a podcast for New York Liberty fans. Alongside Brian Florentin, I am Erica L. Ayala. We are your hosts for this weekly podcast as part of Black Rosie Media. And although this is a podcast that circles around the New York Liberty, we also love to highlight, amplify all of WNBA history uh, and culture. And we are going to start by honoring the memory of Nikki McCray Penson. She passed away Uh, The news hit the women's basketball community Friday, and she was 51 years old, had been battling cancer. She is survived by her husband and her son. And I mean, Brian, it's never easy to hear about the passing of anyone, um, especially when they're in a circle like we are in in the WNBA circle. But, um, you know, I, I just remember watching the WNBA growing up and Nikki McCray Penson has always had this illuminating smile, which seems so contradictory to the type of game that she played. She played on those early teams for the Washington Mystics, was with that team for four seasons and was recently honored as the Mystics um, recognized their 25th anniversary as a franchise. She played in Indiana, Phoenix. She played with the San Antonio Stars, which of course now is the Las Vegas Aces franchise and closed out her WNBA career in Chicago before going on to coach at Mississippi State, uh, Old Dominion, and of course South Carolina, where she was under the tutelage of Don Staley. And of course, some of those Gamecocks in the league had very strong reactions actions to the news of her passing. But Brian, you were at New York Liberty practice, um, or I guess, uh, you know, practice shoot around when the news hit. What was the sentiment, especially from Sandy Brondello, who again was in San Antonio as, as a coach while Nikki was there? Yeah, so we were there at Barclays on Friday for Liberty practice and in, in media scrum with Sandy, we, um, one of the reporters asked her if she had had played with Nikki before. And Sandy was like, yeah. And then she said she coached her too. And then that's when she learned that she had passed away. And Sandy, she took, she took it very hard because it's someone that she had competed against like, going up against the great USA basketball teams of the 90s and 2000s and coached her with the Silver Stars. So Sandy talked with us about just how she was, how, how the player she was, how much of a great cutter, slasher she was, and just sort of like the passion and intensity that she brought to the game. And she offered condolences to Nikki's um, family, her son, and her partner. And it was a very emotional moment for her, but you know, she she really sort of like memorized Nikki and all of the great that she brought to basketball. So she wanted to sort of keep that in mind for us as we sort of like reflected and thought about her. Yeah, it was also something that she was asked after Saturday's game, which of course we'll talk about later on the show. And she echoed those sentiments and also talked about how Nikki McRae often guarded her <laughs> when she would take on the United States. 
State's team and was a little bit uh, put out that uh, she didn't perform offensively the way she would have liked when Nikki McCray was guarding her. But again, my memories just from a distance and, and growing up watching the WNBA and following women's basketball now as an adult and as a professional was just that she had this grace um, this positivity about her and that she truly poured in and loved this game. And so we mentioned that the San Antonio stars, originally the Utah stars, and now the Vegas aces, um, th- that Nikki McCray Penson played for that organization. And they released this statement. The Las Vegas aces were saddened to learn today of the passing of Tennessee ABL WNBA and Olympic legend, Nikki McCray Penson, a member of the 2005 San Antonio silver stars. Nikki was beloved by many as a teammate, coach, mentor, sister, and friend. Her achievements on the basketball court were eclipsed only by her commitment to the community and improving the lives of those around her. Nikki's smile, there you go, infectious positive energy and voice may be gone, but her memory will live on in our hearts forever. And um, the Las Vegas Aces, of course, coached by Becky Hammond, who is also a a Silver Stars great and um, one of their superstars on that team and certainly in the WNBA. Um, Asia Wilson um, definitely reacting to the news as many of us were, but we want to just echo what the Vegas Aces have said, what Sandy Brondello has said, and and what everyone else around the, the basketball community has said, that we are sending nothing but love and light to Nikki's family. We are grateful for her contributions, and we're just going to take a, a, a silent moment here in honor and in celebration of all that she poured into basketball and beyond. And as the key Swahili word ashe means, so let it be. Thank you all for um, taking that moment with us. And we know that it's a difficult transition to make, but we do want to continue to celebrate uh, women's basketball. And we're going to do that through the eyes of the New York Liberty. And so we know that the New York Liberty had three games uh, up until when we are recording, which would be on Sunday for the Monday show. And it was three wins for the New York Liberty. But Brian, these were not, um, you know, necessarily the prettiest wins for the New York Liberty, but they were wins nonetheless. Uh, We got wins over the Seattle Storm uh, twofold at the front end and on the back end uh, in the home and home series. And then Phoenix right smack dab in the middle. You know, let's pick up with the Phoenix series because we'll have time to talk about Seattle because we played them twice. Let's start with Phoenix. Uh, This was the first time that we got to see Brittany Griner in action on the court um, as the last time Phoenix was in town, Griner was dealing with an injury, as too was Diana Taurasi. And so what were some of the takeaways? This was a win that really came down to the wire for the New York Liberty, and it seemed like uh, pretty much on both sides a shooting gallery. <laughs> yeah, like at the game, something it felt like the sort of like energy of the game flipped when DT got that six point possession. 
Um, she, Kayla Thornton, had fouled her, and then the referees had deemed it a flagger one because of the landing zone area. So DT got three free throws. She came back and hit a three right after, and it felt like that was like the jolt that got Phoenix all the way up into the game. And then after halftime, BG really sort of like found her rhythm. In post game, she told us that you know she started feeling more comfortable as the game progressed, and then when she would get the ball in the block, she would just go to work, and she would just like jump hooks, finishing over JJ, finishing over Stewie. Niara which I'd help, but wasn't making a difference. But at the end, when Phoenix got it all the way back, Brianna sort of like came through and saved the day. One thing I've been thinking about and watching the replay, and I think it's just a sign of like where the communication is on the Liberty, um, they started like trapping Diana late. And then on the game ceiling possession where they scored in transition, JJ came up to trap. She she rotated back down to the big, but at the same time, she's pointing to Courtney, go there. Courtney sees it, intercepts the pass that DT, I think, was making to, I think, Brianna Turner. And then she intercepts it. Stewie makes a game ceiling layup, and that was, like, the deciding play right there. So I think even in games where it's – it's not as clean and pretty as you want it to be. You see the communication when things get really, really tight. And I think that part is super valuable, like being able to communicate on the fly in a, in a sort of tense moment and be able to succeed and have that communication, I think is really a great sign of where they're going to be. And I think that, I think that, you know, we've been talking a lot about like benches and rotations this week and, and building up continuity. That was a conversation we had with assistant coach Olaf Lang on Friday. And I think games like Wednesday help in that because we, you need those reps, those those pressure reps and being able to do it and being able to sort of succeed in tight moments now will help you down the line too. Yeah, for sure. Again, a 99-95 victory over the Phoenix Mercury. The the New York Liberty had the the their largest lead was 20 points at one juncture in this game. If we look at again, my favorite, the uh, lead tracker, you see that the Liberty really dominated this game except for a blip early in the game for Phoenix and then as you mentioned a little bit later in the game, biggest lead for Phoenix was only at 3 points. Um but they were able to take control um, at least from the scoring um, in that second quarter, they, the Phoenix Mercury scored 33 to the New York Liberty's 27. Um, and then again in the fourth quarter, 26 to New York's 21 points. But that early um, lead that New York was able to get really helped them. Now, this is another thing that I think we're going to have to talk about when it comes to the New York Liberty, especially coming off of how they played against the Aces. But points in the paint, I mean, again, Brittany Griner back in this game, and wouldn't you know, they got 42 points in the paint. Phoenix did to 32 by the New York Liberty. Now, fast break points were just about even 14 fast break points to 13 for Phoenix. And then rebounds, again, rebounds we're going to talk about that for sure and we have been but rebounds were in favor of the new york liberty 13 to 6 and we do know that they play a better game when they are uh i, I believe sandy brundello on saturday called it um you know something uh uh, uh akin to backbreaking type uh, that call it kind of backbreakers when they're able to get those rebounds, especially defensive rebounds. Turnover still an issue though, Brian, as it was 17 turnovers um, 
for 20 points uh, or 22 points, excuse me, for Phoenix off of 17 New York Liberty turnovers. So that's something that they're still going to want to clean up. But I do think it is really important what you were saying and what the Liberty staff has really been stressing throughout this week. These were not necessarily um, blowout wins by any stretch. And we'll talk about again, the Seattle games in a little bit, but they found a way to win. And I love that you pointed out, Brian, the communication, because that's really what it takes. And that's what you have not to say that Sabrina Ionescu hasn't hasn't had to do that in her career, but remember she's in her third professional season and her collegiate career, unfortunately, likely at the peak of it was disrupted by COVID. And so we didn't really get to see Sabrina Ionescu at the most, um, uh, at the highest level, you know, final four NCAA championship, f- finding her communication. And even if we did see that, that's complete leaps and bounds um, from being able to do that in the WNBA versus the NCAA. So I'm definitely going to keep an eye on how Sabrina is being utilized. We know she gets a lot of um, energy, shall we say, positioned toward her. And yeah, a lot of energy. And we've talked about it before. I understand a decent amount of it. And it's some of it is outside of Sabrina. There are times though, where she's kind of leaning into that villain, you know, hushing the Atlanta crowd. So it's a little bit of a give and take. But um, I do think that when we, we put that to the side for just a moment, we're also seeing growth for Sabrina. And you and I, Brian, have talked about this, but I think that's why it's critically important for Sabrina to have veterans like Brianna Stewart, Kayla Thornton, Benajah Laney, John Quell Jones, Steph Dolson. I mean, a good about half of those have um, championships and those that don't have championship and playoff experience. But the par- partnership with her and Courtney Vandersloot giving Sabrina Ionescu the opportunity not only for herself to play off the ball, but to learn from Vandersloot when she will inevitably, in my eyes, have to play on the ball and play that one position for the New York Liberty, I think that's really going to pay dividends. Okay, but we have a lot to talk about. Um, What other things, generally speaking, again, because outside of Phoenix, the New York Liberty played the Seattle Storm two times in in their last uh, three games. What were some uh, things that stood out to you that you thought the New York Liberty did well that we haven't talked about yet? And maybe what are some things that have become something that you're underlining to keep an eye on that the Liberty might want to improve upon? Sure. Um, to stay with the Sabrina point a little bit more, on Saturday's game, there were a couple possessions where she got uh, the assignment of guarding Jewel Lloyd, and she acquitted herself quite well. And, you know, there were times where she would rely, like she and the team would either send a trap to Jewel, and then sometimes if Jewel would get by, there'd be a help defender ready to the contest, and just, yeah, you have two people on her. And in post-game, I asked her about, like, you know, where she sort of sees her defensive progress over time, and she mentioned it's just a lot more of, like, studying, just getting that, just understanding the the nuances of opponents. And I think that comes with the experience point you talked about, since this is her only, her third full season and second one that's, like, actually fully healthy. As you get more experience, as you get more pressure moments in this high stakes setting, you're able to sort of understand and process a little bit more. Like it's always like how we think of like work, where it's like, you know, your first week of the job is gonna be it's gonna be kind of eh. But like once you're in it for like 
two years, three years, four years, it's like, you know, all the policies, you know, all the different departments, you know, all the city agencies, you know, all these things. And I think that's starting to come into shape for a little bit. And there's still things where like, you know, as far as like hand positioning, body positioning, how you navigate screens, those are things that she still, she acknowledged that she still needs to get better at that. And that's something that Sandy's been sort of pressing on her to do. And I think that, you know, a game like Saturday where the team did a fantastic prior to Jules' injury and we hope she's okay, like they did a wonderful job on her. Held it's like her lowest point total of the season, worst shooting percentage of the season. And it was a it was a total team effort. Like they threw it was Laney, Thornton, Vanessa got some reps, Sabrina got a few. Um Stewie got some reps on her too, which I thought was really interesting. So just being able to fully mix and match and deploy the tools that you have on an elite score like jewel is really interesting and i think it's something that liberty i think will probably try to do a little bit more because we did see just to sort of circle back briefly to wednesday stewie got the dt assignment late and that helped sort of slow her down a little bit so being able to utilize you know your mvp in ways like that and use it as a swiss army knife for so many different matchups i think is a really interesting wrinkle and i'm excited to see how that looks when we get the bigger matchups down down the second half of the season yeah, for sure. You mentioned again that game uh, Wednesday, or excuse me, Wednesday's game was against Phoenix. But prior to that, the New York Liberty again played Seattle. I almost said the Kraken, totally different team, <laughs> but they play in the same arena. Uh, I do a, a Seattle Kraken show. Anyway, um, <laughs> that was an 81 66 win in Seattle at Climate Pledge Arena, and then once again played Seattle, um, who was coming off of a pretty big loss to Connecticut, and it was a point of emphasis, especially post-game, pre- and post-game, but um, that the Liberty knew that those kind of games happen. Um, the Liberty have experienced one playing in Vegas, and that this was going to be a Seattle team coming in on Saturday to Barclays that was going to be hungry. They wanted to rectify a few things, and we saw that it was a pretty tight game, an 80-76 game where the New York Liberty were able to swell that lead just to four points late in the game, and I think it came from truly opportunities that Seattle had that they couldn't get some buckets down the line, but I think that also goes back to your point about defense and the different looks that Sandy Brondello and the rest of the coaching staff um, had their players put on Seattle to make them uh, uncomfortable enough so that they weren't getting the shots that they wanted. So let's really focus, Brian, on Saturday's game. Again, this was an 80-76 win. Um, you mentioned in passing that, unfortunately, for uh, Jewel Lloyd and the Seattle Storm, that she went down, seemed like an ankle injury. Um, but, you know, in that third quarter, again, looking at these lovely game charts that I love and the, the lead tracker, you know, back end of the second quarter, then most of the third, Seattle was able to really dominate that game Um you know, at least as far as uh, what they were doing there um, in transition, getting buckets back. And the biggest lead for the Storm was seven points. The biggest lead for the um, the Liberty, 10. So t 10 times we were tied, eight lead changes overall. And Stewie had some pretty strong words to define how she felt the New York Liberty played on the boards. What can you tell us about what Stewie had to say after Saturday's game about the rebounding for the New York Liberty? 
Yeah, um, they all recognize that they got cleaned up on the boards by Seattle. I think the margin off the top of my head, I want to say it was like 18 or 19, something really wild like that. And I think what really sort of stood out was that Seattle would just like get these long rebounds. They did the 50 50 balls, they got all of them. There was like one possession where I think they got like three offensive rebounds in a row, then it eventually led to a basket. And it's something that the Liberty had been doing better at. Like I had mentioned in pregame that they had gotten up to second in the league in rebounding. So it's like, oh, wow. Just when you get the praise, you sort of fall back. So it's like you can't rest in your laurels a little bit. It's like a viable life lesson that I think the team is going to pick up on. But it was just a moment where Seattle just like, they, they were they were really hungry and they were really crashing the boards and getting all those 50-50 balls, really sort of like putting the pressure on New York in that way. And for... What, what is like the, the, the thing about defense is like you got to complete the possession and they would play great initial defense. But when you give teams opportunities after opportunities after opportunities, they're going to cash in and it's only going to lead you to expend more energy. Sort of chasing around Sammy Whitcomb, having to sort of deal with Ezzy Magbogor, having to deal with all the Jordan Horston had a great game off the great game. I'm glad you mentioned. Yep, because that was on my list yeah. as well. Jordan had a great game. Yeah, like when you give a team, especially a, a team that has been in close games, you know, we talked with Noel Quinn in pregame about it, you know, how do, how, do, how does the group sort of get over the top? Because they've been in a lot of like really close battles. And for a young team like that, when you're able to go toe-to-toe with teams, eventually you're going to break through and sort of like really finish out strong. So I think that for the Liberty, next time they play Seattle, just being able to sort of complete the possession 100% and then get back on the run and get in transition that way. Because when you give teams extra opportunities, you put, you put yourself in foul trouble, you put yourself at greater risk. So that's going to be something I think that where they sort of give themselves another energy boost and be like, okay, we made the initial stop. We got to like really crash the boards and wrap this up hundred percent so we can get on the go. Yeah, for sure. I, I, you know, you mentioned rebounding total rebounds for the team stats, 30 rebounds for the New York Liberty, 48 for the yeah. Seattle storm. But something that I thought really stood out was also the uh, bench points and the bench contributions from the Seattle Storm of their 76 points. They got 29 points from the bench. They also got 19 rebounds from the bench. That was 10 points for the New York Liberty from their reserves and eight rebounds overall. And so, you know, again, that is going to be something that um, we've heard from New York Liberty players, especially in this last week, talk about. They know that having energy from the bench is going to be critically important. And we've talked about that before in a particular French player, Marine Johannes. But Brian, you know, Marine herself was able to address maybe what is a little bit of a slump Small sample size, but is Marine Johannes in a little bit of a slump? And should we be worried? Should New York Liberty fans be worried about her productivity as of late? Yeah, I think that she really hasn't had many great shooting games over the past couple of weeks. And it just feels like the, the effort is certainly there, but it's just like the results haven't been. And I think what... You know, a friend of ours, Jackie Powell of the Next, is mentioning that without Dolson, the Liberty lose that connector and that hub in the high post. And Marine, when when Marine is locked and she's 
always on the go. She's always making something happen. And when you don't have a big that that you're playing with consistently that can make those passes, can stretch the floor and really sort of set those really bruising screens that she could sort of like fly off offense of her three-point attempts, it makes things a little bit more difficult. And I think also the, the Liberty are in a situation where they're they're trying to sort of like get the starting fives rhythm all the way locked in, and that leaves bench players stuck holding the bag. You know, you have so many good players in the roster, not everyone's gonna get the proper burn that they need, and it feels like Marine is like a, is is a victim of those circumstances. I feel like her minutes have only been in like. 14, 15, somewhere around there. It's not anything that's really large enough to fully get comfortable and develop that rhythm. But at the same time, you know, the the guards at Fort Hennifer have been playing well. Laney's been playing well. Sloot's been playing at an officer level. Sab hit six three-pointers yesterday, so you're not going to take her off the court. So it's a situation where when you it's it's almost like Sandy talked about it where Marine puts a lot of pressure on herself. And you know, when you're when you're in a slump, you want to try to get everything back all at once and then when you're slumping you're putting that extra pressure then to make them and just it's like the pebble just builds and builds and builds and builds and builds so i think for marine i think the week off would do her some good just get mm-hmm. away from basketball coming into the season dealing with the french federation was his own headache and a half that's probably really stressful in its own way so now yeah. just like getting a week away in new york just relaxing taking in nice weather chilling out all that kind of thing i think that would help and then when she gets back hopefully she'll have that opportunity where she feels refreshed she's able to sort of get back to what she's doing and i think with greater bench help with the return of dulson probably in a couple weeks or so because she's doing shooting drills next week so she might be back soon that that should give the liberty another option to work with and more spacing opportunities for the team more cutting opportunities for for marine for thornton as well that way the team will really sort of get its full rhythm back Yeah, you mentioned so many amazing points. And I think this is where we talked about this before. Marine is obviously a dynamic player offensively in particular. She brings a finesse. She brings a slipperiness and just an overall ease to the game that is beautiful and entertaining to watch. And the next step that we want to see, we know that the New York Liberty are working on her defensively. And I think she's solid. Is she an elite level defender at guard? I would say no, but I think she's definitely above average, I would say. And, you know, she doesn't hurt. She's not a liability defensively, I would not say. Um, I think that, though, what the next step there is has to be the physicality. And I think if you look at the way these games played out, knowing that points in the paint were at a premium, especially for opponents for the New York Liberty in the last three games, if you look at rebounding, these are some of the things. Now, Sabrina Ionescu, we've talked about it. Marine Johannes versus Sabrina Ionescu, I think their athleticism is extremely different. But I think Sabrina, although her first step might not be as quick, um, or again, kind of slippery and sneaky as Marine Johannes. I think Sabrina has learned how to play a game where she can absorb some contact. And I think Marine has that capability, but it's just, again, her game is more based on finesse and in transition. And so um, Sabrina gives you a little bit more when it comes to tight games where you really have to grind out you mentioned 50 50 balls and battles and so that's where marine it's not something that i don't think she can do it's just not what we have known 
to be her bread and butter, so to speak, um, and what has been her game. So I think that's another evolution. And I think focusing on defense allows you to really focus on that grinding, anticipation, being in good positioning, and then potentially absorbing contact to win the ball back for your team. That's ultimately what defense is all about. It's stopping, it's anticipating, it's a lot of hard work all to get that possession back. Um, so I'm, I'm very curious to see how that works. But on the other side, talking about bench, we have continued to see Nayara Sabali shine. And you mentioned minutes when it comes to Marine Johannes. I'd say Nayara is probably around the same amount of minutes, but the impact of her minutes has been different. And I mentioned in passing that I was like, oh, I'm in my hockey brain now. In hockey, you'll hear a lot. Coaches, players will say it's about making the right play at the right time, the right save at the right time. And I want to offer that as a part of what we see with Niara. Is she scoring, you know, double digit points, you know, double digit blocks, double digit rebounds every time she hits the court? No, but I think she fits into that category of making the exact right play that the New York Liberty need at the right time. Yeah, something that was really exciting yesterday was that she got a steal, led the transition, found Courtney for an one, and we were like, wow, that's amazing. And you know, Niara, she she gives the Liberty another big that can start a that can start a fast break, which is really interesting and exciting. It, and, it, and it creates more opportunities. So you have your big leading the break and you have your guards flanking on the wings, you know, something good is bound to happen. And I think also with Niara, like as soon as she came on the court yesterday, she was like attacking the board. She got like three offensive, I think she had like two offensive rebounds in one possession, just really sort of like bringing that physicality. And something that I found to be really interesting was that she was playing in the fourth quarter. She got big fourth quarter minutes. Like she, like she got like a large portion of minutes in the fourth quarter, which was I think the first time in quite some time she has in, in a non-blood setting, I should say. So just being able, just having the the Sandy having that trust in her to to have her out there with the A team and and seeing her contribute, make good plays, and sort of have that spark, I think it's a great confidence booster for her. And I think that as the Liberty go deeper into the second half, there might be more opportunities for her. So that way we sort of like, you know, as JJ gets some minutes to rest, Stewie gets some minutes to rest. You can you, you and depending on health for Stefan Hahn, you can have Niara as the lone big out there and trust her to make good plays and do what she needs to do. And I think for a rookie in the league, that's such a valuable experience. And for a team that's going to have eyes, all eyes on them like the Liberty do, being able to sort of succeed in that fishbowl environment and be able to really grow your game, learn from your vets, all these kind of things, I think is super valuable for her. And if you want to hear more about what Sabrina Ionescu had to say about Niara and where she said she was going to try not to get emotional, make sure you head over to the Black Rosie Media uh, YouTube page where we have the post-game interviews for all New York Liberty games up there. And you can also stay at the end of this video if you're watching on YouTube and uh, you can just click on the icon. It will be right there for you. So I think... Again, there's a lot of upside here. And that's kind of what 
I want to talk about because it was the nationally televised game on Saturday, the Liberty hosting the Seattle Storm. And there was a comment that was made by former New York Liberty great Rebecca Lobo. And she talked about um, some comments that Sandy Brondello had made to the, the, the broadcast team regarding the upside and that there are a decent amount of teams, the New York Liberty included that have upside. And at least the way Rebecca Lobo said it, Brian, as I was watching, I know you were at the game, but you know, she, she made it sound Rebecca Lobo made it sound as though Sandy Brundello was questioning how much upside or what else can we possibly see from a Las Vegas aces team compared to the New York Liberty. And I want to add also, you've got other teams that are seeing, we're seeing tremendous upside game to game, including the Phoenix Mercury, who are now, I believe on a five game win streak at the time that we're recording this, we've seen Atlanta really start to hit their stride and the team that the New York Liberty will face right before the all-star break, the Indiana fever. I think all of these teams, the New York Liberty, obviously sitting in second place. So arguably their upside conversation also with the fact that we have the air quotes, super team tag is a different conversation, but I just want to talk broadly thinking about the WNBA this season. Do you think that could be something where, although we've seen the Vegas aces dominate and only get their second loss and it, was uh oh that was a good one if y'all haven't checked out that uh dallas game it you got to see both i really think it should be like a series like just cluster it together uh first dallas at vegas and then vegas at dallas dallas is able to gut out a win it definitely got a little controversial and physical at the end but should should we be focused on teams like Dallas or like Indiana who has taken Vegas to down to the wire and really look at those teams when they take on not just Vegas, but the Liberty and the Connecticut Sun who round out the top three teams in the WNBA? Yeah, absolutely. Um, one thing we like, you know, you ask any player, they'll tell you that like you can get got any night by any team. So you always have to keep your guard up and, and I think especially for young teams who are just starting to figure things out and teams who are just like trying to sort of find the right mix like Dallas, you when you, it's, it's like you see it build over time. And then when you see the full execution in real time, it's like, wow, this is amazing. You know, that Vegas game after after circle back and watch it again on Friday night. But they they were able to figure out a lot out in the in the game at Vegas. They had a really great first half. Like they lost they lost that to like injury in the second to like I guess illness in the second half illness, so that yeah. impacted that game yeah but you can sort of see like how it's i think seeing teams figure it out in real time opens up so many different possibilities and and sort of like excitement because you like you start finding the right mix of things the right the right the right amount of time of things you see players taking on new responsibilities and expanding into the game within the scheme of the rotation so i think that for teams like the liberty like vegas it's almost like a mystery box when you go against teams who are starting to figure things out so like they see indiana next but the indiana that we saw back in may at the home opener is a lot different than the indiana we see now they even made a trade a couple of days ago so that's a different aspect of them as well too so it's a situation where you start to see, like you start to see things differently and phoenix as well when we saw them they had a different head coach now they have a new head coach and they like playing with each other again funny how <laughs> things work like that so 
now you have a situation where <laughs> now you have a situation where teams are starting to figure things out, figure out what's what's what to do, who who who's sort of like leading them. Like you, you start building out that hierarchy, and then for teams like the Liberty and the Aces who are, who are on top of things, teams are coming for you anyway. Now they have more confidence within themselves. They have more things figured out. Whereas they, whereas like you may have like hit, man, you may have hit your peak in a sense. And then the question is, can you get to a higher height? Whereas right. these teams are on the come up, and they have way more like room to get better and really give you new and different looks and challenges to deal with. Yeah, I thought it was such an interesting and fascinating kind of mind exercise because I agree with everything that you said. And I will add that I would not sleep on Vegas still having more growth and upside. I think they there's a whole different level of growth and understanding that you have to have when you are a defending champion and every team regardless of the situation is going to give you their best. Everyone wants to beat the best. And Vegas is not only the defending champion, but again, until a few nights ago, only had one loss on the season, and that was to another top three team, the Connecticut Sun. But Dallas might have messed around and gave some other teams a little bit of hope. Um, So, of course, Vegas is going to go back to the drawing board. But I like what you said in particular, Brian, because there's so much youth we're talking, you know, we talked about Sabrina Ionescu and she's three years in. That's the same for Satu Sabali, who now effectively is playing a leadership role. And Arike oh. or Arike has maybe what another two, three seasons, I guess, on Satu. I don't know the math off the top of my head, but these are relatively young players who are expected to do a lot for their team. And that includes Aaliyah Boston. And you know what I love, Brian, is at the time that you and I are chatting, the Indiana Fever and Dallas Wings have not yet hit the court on Sunday. But by the time this goes live, we will have a final for that game. So we're going to leave a little pause here for me to update everyone on the Indiana at Dallas game. And the reason I wanted to leave space there, Brian, is because we saw what Dallas did against Vegas in two games, and we're taking on Indiana next. There are a few implications, including that conversation we were having about upside, but also the Commissioner's Cup. Now, it is a win, and you are in for the New York Liberty, but they will be taking on a high upside team, a young team in Indiana. What do you like about this matchup, and who are some players that you think we should be on the lookout for for both Indiana and New York. Sure. Um, for the Liberty, I'll go with John Quill Jones. Like I had a conversation mm. with her at practice on Friday, and I, I wound up telling her that she had shot 50% or better from the field in seven of her last nine games, which caught her by surprise. She was like, wow, I didn't know that. That feels good to hear. So I think that, you know, there's been a lot of conversation about JJ and like her role and her effectiveness. But I think over time, you see someone fitting into the offense, get us finding her role, doing what she needs to do. And 
And I think that just our impact on the court is being that that presence at the rim. The Liberty lead the WNBA in field goal percentage inside the restricted area as a defense. So they're, they're doing something right on that. And when teams get to the rim, there's there's JJ, there's Stewie, KT is down helping out as well too. So I think JJ as the anchor of the interior defense is going to be super valuable. And, you know, we talked about that rebounding point earlier. They're going to need to sort of clean up on the boards. And I think JJ will be sort of like the, the lead when it comes to that. So I'm looking forward to that. For Indiana, of course, Leah Boston. And something I'm really interested to see, I have to, I'm not I'm not sure how and why they're not getting her the ball in the fourth quarter. That part sort of like is, is confusing to me because I looked at um I, I I didn't get to watch the game against the Mystics on Friday, but she only had eight shot attempts in like 25 minutes. And I feel that for bigs in particular, you got to get in the ball. Like, because bigs aren't like guards who can just go bring it up the court and get their own shot themselves, you got to feed them. So I'm really interested to see that shot breakdown for Indiana, if they can get Boston the ball in good scoring positions, and if they can keep going to her over and over and over. Because she's been fantastic when when she's had the opportunity. She's been terrific. And First year all star right out the gate. That's special stuff right there. Starter. And you gotta keep you gotta keep <laughs> yep, for a starter. Yeah, you gotta like you you gotta make sure to get the ball to your best player as much as you can so that way she can make it the imprint on her on the game. So I think seeing how how Indiana incorporates her, how they work to get her the ball is gonna be really interesting to see. And I think someone else I'm gonna keep an eye on is another all-star, Kelsey Mitchell. We've talked a lot about how New York York sometimes struggles with like crafty two guards who can really get downhill and create trouble in that way. So it's going to be a challenge for Laney. Um, if Johnson Willoughby gets some playing time, who does well defending guards like Kelsey, Courtney and Sabrina, if they get the match of how they do. So just how the Liberty sort of like throw different looks at Mitchell, if they throw a little bit more size, if they, if they throw some traps at her to make things difficult, that's going to be an interesting watch as well too. So I think for the Liberty, and I think also just – just a broader liberty point. Um, they've had high stakes moments, but this is like a fully high stakes game. So I'm wondering how the sort of like preparation, if the preparation changes a little bit, like knowing that if you win, you've got at minimum 250K in your pocket. And if you win the commission's cup, yeah, 500K coming to you guaranteed. So I wonder if there's a greater sort of focus and sort of like energy shift when it comes to essentially a high stakes game like this, not like a playoff game per se, but like still high stakes in its own way. So I wonder if there's a different sort of like intensity, if the rotations are a little bit different, how the coaching staff goes into this kind of game. So that's going to be something interesting as well too. Yeah, for sure. Now, this would, of course, be the New York Liberty's first appearance in the Commissioner's Cup. But John Quill Jones actually talked about some of what you were alluding to, particularly uh, when it comes to what this money and that pool of money that is then divvied out between the players means for rookies. And she had this really great anecdote. We know that she's taken Niara Saboli under her wing, but she's also gone the extra mile with rookies and something she said she continues. She hopes to continue to do and, and will continue to do throughout her WNBA career is uh, again, going back to hockey is very, it's a very hockey thing to, you know, go out to a nice fancy dinner and then everyone 
gets up and you leave the rookie to pay the tab. It's the opposite for John Quell Jones. She takes care of the rookies. She doesn't want them to have to worry about those kinds of things financially and just grow and play the game. And so if anything, it's John Quell Jones that will pick up the tab until those rookies can get established. But she said things like the commissioner's cup mean a lot to those players on those rookie max deals or even veteran minimum deals and stuff like that. So I thought that was an interesting nugget. I love that you talk about how this is high stakes. And, you know, I think the commissioner's cup is still something that players are getting used to. We certainly are still getting used to it. I guess this is, um, I believe the third commissioner's cup. Um, And so, you know, we will see if and how this plays a role, but we've seen Seattle. So Stewie has also been uh, in a commissioner's cup, won a commissioner's cup. Um, Again, the Connecticut sun have played in a commissioner's club and maybe two actually, because uh, they've been the best team in the East for the last two seasons. Um, and um, and so you've got a few players on the Liberty team that know what that money means and, and have been getting used to as we see the Commissioner's Cup, which of course is the WNBA in-season tournament. Now those Commissioner Cup games also do count to your regular season record. That's a little bit different for those who might be familiar with the National Women's Soccer League. They're a little bit different. And speaking of the NWSL, before we close out this episode of Gotta Get Up, a podcast for New York Liberty fans, you might notice that I am wearing the kit of the OL Reign, and that is because the amazing Megan Rapino has announced that she will retire after this NWSL season. She has been a mainstay in WNBA culture because of her relationship with the recently retired Sue Bird. Obviously, Stewie knows her very well through that relationship and being um, pro athletes in Seattle. Um, So just wanted to send some love to Pino. Of course, we started the show honoring Nikki McCray Penson. We, we always just want to give love to the WNBA community. And that includes when some people have passed on or when they're transitioning away from sport. So Brian, I mean, we got a pretty good one. Not only do we get what could be the deciding game between Indiana, it's going to be good regardless. I really do think this is going to be a great test for both teams. But again, Commissioner Cup on the line, at least for the New York Liberty. But then we go into All-Star. So you're going to get two Got to Get Up episodes. Brian and I are going to talk after Wednesday's game and get you ready for Team Stewie versus Team Asia Wilson. They had their draft, and Stewie, I think, will have a little bit more to tell us, Brian, about her picks um, once she gets over Indiana. At least that's what she said on Saturday. <laughs> yep. So Yeah, so, yeah, it'll be great. Um, this weekend's going to be really fantastic. Like, it's going to be a lot of great events in Vegas, so it, it, it's going to be must-see TV. Absolutely. And we will be here to cover it from the eye of the New York Liberty players. And I don't know. I mean, we'll see. Will we get another another Liberty player maybe in the skills competition or the three point contest? I mean, I certainly would love to see it. I mean, and when we get Maureen Johannes in an all star game, stop, stop (laughs) it. It's going to be the magician. center stage. That's what I want. Um, I know it was tough. She's a bench player and also came in a little bit late, but I really do hope we get to see her in a W all-star game in one fashion or another. But Brian, we're going to say adieu 
to our lovely listeners and YouTube watchers. Thank you as always for uh, making us a part of your weekly routine here on Gotta Get Up. Again, a podcast for New York Liberty fans, but for Brian Florentin, excuse me, I am Erica L. Ayala, and we will catch you on our all-star preview episode a little bit later in the week. Peace out, everybody. (laughs) Ha <laughs> ha